Today's guest is Neelam Patel of Tailored Poetry. She would love to share what it's like to leave a full-time career to pursue a passion, the poetry writing process, following her dreams in the contents of immigrant culture and how imposter syndrome has so many nuances to it, one of which is having brown skin. Please give a warm welcome to ever-blessed Neelam Patel. today i'm good you were de- and it's kind of interesting how i just said that because you were talking about that in your book how you wanted to pour your makeup down the drain which is your skin color because you thought it was tainted but it was really tinted and i love that i love that how you the the little analogy that you had there because because i i want to dig a little bit deeper as to your reason why you believed that about your complexion where were you brought up and where are you from um to get more deeper Mm -hmm. into the reason why where did you grow up (laughs) sure I grew up in South Jersey uh, and I was actually born in India but I was six months old when my parents brought me over your parents came over for for a job or for for a better life for you or what was the reason for that Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, It was for opportunities uh, for better working jobs because things were better here than what they anticipated their conditions would be in India. And my dad is an engineer. And so there were visas at that time for engineers. And a really interesting story is that when I was born, my dad had already immigrated to America. So my mom had given birth to me over in India and named me Vibha. And Vibha is a word, a name that means night. And my dad was here filling out immigration paperwork and they didn't have phones where they were. And so my dad wrote down Neelam, which is my name. Uh And so I had two names. So Vibha would be, because sometimes I guess people would use it as their middle name, but I'm not sure if it's just, do you just go by either name? It was just Neelam. I didn't know this. I didn't know this until I grew up. I remember I was just sitting at the kitchen table. My mom told me a random story and I was like, stop everything. I need to know more about this. And for my parents, it was just this side story, like no big deal. And I'm like, that's my origin. That's my name. And uh, yeah, so it was it was just that my middle name is my father's first name, which is traditional in the Indian community. Okay. Okay, because I know that with Mexican, uh, being Mexican, um, we always carry both last names. Oh, <laughs> we, carry, okay. we carry our the father and the mother's last name. Um, gotcha. Traditionally, me, I didn't have it like that. Traditionally, um, my middle name was supposed to be my first name, uh, and my mother was like, "Oh no, 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 no." He was going to name me Star in English as my first name. I was like, "Yeah, no." But um, they decided to make it a, a Spanish. And it's interesting how you say that because um, my youngest son, we wanted to name him Orion, which was beautiful. Oh, I, love beautiful. The, I love the constellations and all that. And it's so me funny too. that you just said that, that it was like, that was your, you know, Viva was your actual, you know, I should have named him Orion because ironically, he is so in-depth with, planets constellations he knows all the names even to like those ones that are called um 
planet A, Z, two, four, whatever. He knows where they're at, where wow. they're located in the galaxies. And I'm like, that is where his his name was should have been that. But I, I it makes sense that uh I guess it's just it's just so ironic how even though we try to change our names or try to be something different, we always find our our reason, our center. You know, we want to be something else, but that's not who we are. Or we were taught to be something that Absolutely. We, just, we don't feel comfortable. And like, you know what? That's not the path I, and it just keeps redirecting you, redirecting you. No matter how you try, it keeps putting you back on the same path. It's so interesting, isn't it? How <laughs> your name means yeah, so much. And I love <laughs> so much. And I love that you mentioned that because of the stars, because in a way, what you're saying is, you know, it depends on where you lie in, in your belief in destiny versus, you know, your own your own agency and things. But there is something about the the source of who you are and how maybe it was written in the stars. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and my name Vibba was named after the astrological kind of alignment. And then when my dad named me and Neelam, I had to do some work and I actually wrote a poem about the emotional work I had to do to be like, okay, no, Neelam is my name. And there's something about being able to write your destiny, even within the context of what you're given. So I thought that was a lovely balance and Neelam means blue. And so, and, it, oh. um, and specifically the blue of Sapphire. And so I found that to be lovely too, to find my own intrinsic, you know, gemstone version of myself too, that is regardless cool. of my name. Wow, that is yeah. actually very interesting, especially knowing that you are a poet and it's like, it means so much more to you because now that you probably appreciated life and, and, and how you've gotten to your path and everything just seems like it's just right on track with your name and your, your identification of your, your self-awareness. And I love watching, like I said, I like watching different types of TV cultural. Um, I think I even watched one. It was like they did matchmaking in India. Yeah. Yeah. They would actually have someone who they would go to and they would take their name, their birth date yeah. and try to met like a matchmaker. Yep. So you're born there, but you were raised like hardcore American. Um, did you ever carry on any of the culture? Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, I grew up going to, well, because I was in South Jersey, there are a lot of South Asians, Indians, in fact, specifically people from the state that I'm from, which is Gujarat. Um, so there were a lot of people in the community there. And so when you have people from the community, they're able to create cool um, cultural events. So we kind of grew up, me and my two sisters, in that kind of circle. And so we knew that the Indian holidays, the Hindu holidays is what we practice at home. And, you know, and we went to the temple uh, as kids. There was, you know, Sunday school and all this, all the rest. So I would say a ton, you know, and I love to dance. Dance is my first love and probably my, you know, the thing that brings me the most joy. And that I learned through the Indian community. I have danced ballet, I've done Latin American oh, wow. dances. I've did Afro-Caribbean dancing. I love going to the different culture dances. I've done to powwows. I've actually done um, India Fest. Um, well, in Wisconsin, they had multiple culture fests. They had, um, yeah, Asian World Fest, Asian Fest, African World Fest. I would go to all of them and I would like 
jump in with the rest of them. I used to go to Greek Fest and I would learn, I actually learned how to do their, oh, it's so cool. I just love, this is the culture. We wear like paint on our bodies and it's like, you know what I mean? Do you kind of understand what I'm saying? I, I think I'm getting all poetic here. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, that's, that's your job. Oh, you're talking to a poet. I love it. Yeah. No, there is a vibrancy. And when I was traveling in India, I think when I when I looked at it, like when people were uh, washing their uh, clothes out by the river, for example, and I'm passing by on a train, it is so beautiful to see those colors and see that sense of life um, mm -hmm. through those colors, you know, seeing the saris all laid out on the rocks, it, there was a gorgeousness to it. Of course, you know, that um, juxtaposed with the reality of their life that they're doing all of this labor uh, to get to the clean clothes. And I was, I was enjoying the beauty. So I was well aware of that juxtaposition, but still it spoke to the vibrancy of that culture mm -hmm. and, you know, on all levels so that that is there is a beauty in that so thank you for saying that yeah no thank you um thank you for letting me share uh, openly because sometimes i feel like i don't want to throw out something that's completely just preposterous or, or bigot or whichever you want to call it because i try to learn that's why i want to i want to embrace and appreciate and not come towards someone with these misconceptions of someone's culture just like i wouldn't want them to do that with me they're like oh you know you're you're mixed so you know whatever or because i'm the only child oh you must have been spoiled you spoiled beyond recognition no i was uh, like the different misconceptions that people perceive based on your status your gender your culture it's just your complexion you know it's just like it's it's and like the in india is like the caste they have the caste system no, we have a caste system is comes in different shapes and forms here in America. It's unfortunately the same type of rules. Um, the darker you are, the more it seems like you are ignorant or uneducated or illiterate. You don't want to get a job or you want to live off the government. You want to have multiple children thinking that they can, you know, whatever. Just the whole the whole concept is just construed. And it frustrates me because I think I'm just rambling on, but it, it just, there's so much comparison into the struggles that each culture goes through. And it just, it's, it's very sad that we have to go through that. So, but anyways, I want on a lighter note, because we were talking about such beautiful places. What is the most beautiful place you've ever been? Yes. Oh my gosh. So many places. I was lucky enough to have been given the chance to travel a lot from my previous job. And so um, there were tons of places. I think the thing that comes to mind right now, maybe because I just spoke with my mother, I don't know, but my mom, dad, and I went to Alaska together and I had a wonderful time there because of the natural beauty. There was a certain vibrancy in every everything and every site that I saw. Mm -hmm. And the majestic um, mountains and I, it was just, everything was breathtaking. And I didn't think glaciers could be so stunning, but mm -hmm. I couldn't get enough of them. I, I, I just didn't even want to blink my eyes. It was so gorgeous. The closest I can ever get to Alaska because I can't, I can't stand cold weather. <laughs> I think the closest I've ever been was uh, I went to just recently last weekend, I went to the Dallas Art Museum. 
been here in, in Texas for six and a half years, and I've never gone to any of the places in Texas because I'm working so much. But I was actually down there with a friend of mine and she was she was in town and we decided to go there. And I was like, you know what? I've never gone here. And it was interesting because they were talking about the glaciers and the icebergs. They had a, I think, 140 minute film during nighttime filming glaciers. They used um, a type of video drone. And it was just so beautiful just watching the glistening of the moon. like. The cracks of the glacier, when the drone was hovering over it, you can see like the the moon reflecting in between the glacier cracks. And it looked like ve- like the veins of the earth, which is kind of like pulsating with the glimmer of the of the moonlight within the cracks of the glacier. It was just so beautiful. beautiful. And I was like, that's as close as I'm going to get to cold, but it's beautiful. Just to see. so beautiful, yes, yes, <laughs> and I'm and I'm I love that that someone made an installation out of that because mm-hmm. just to think of how much creativity just looking at the glaciers was uh, inspired for me. I'd love to hear that other artists were inspired similarly. I love hearing stories like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I it seems obvious, but also it is just very exciting for me to hear. Yeah, sometimes you just got to stop and smell the glacier. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so people get to do that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like we've referenced many times in our conversation, you are a poet, and don't you know it? So I just like to do the haha. I know you probably get that all the time. <laughs> like someone doesn't write, yeah, and then I make a joke back, like, no, everyone needs a poet. They just don't know it. <laughs> I love it. Wait, yeah. here, hold on. Let me let me do the. You know, back in the day when they used to have it in nineteen in the seventies, where they used to clap with their stepping you know, of the fingers during poet po- open mic. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> the beat poetry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, speaking of poems, what poem that you've written are you most proud of? Well, I'm proud of a lot of poems actually, and it's because during this time that I've been writing. I've been really going into my feelings in a way that I have never before um, dealt with my uncomfortable feelings. So recently, I'm proud of a lot of poems. Um, mm-hmm. But to give, but you know, to give a quick answer, it's like the very first poem I wrote was way back in 2003. I did an open mic and, and scribbled something down, and I was proud of that because it was about you know identity, about being of Indian culture and of American culture. And what I liked about that poem was that I was, you know, it was probably the first, it wasn't super uncomfortable, fe- like it didn't expose too much of the uncomfortable feelings, but I mentioned them. And mm-hmm. so I'm proud of it because it doesn't just look at the sunny side. It looks at the frustrating side too. And I think you have to go there in order to get to the other side. And the other side is, of course, um, where you can feel like a badass to say, hey, I can go in and out of different matrices of culture. You know, mm-hmm. I can fit in the American, I can fit in the Indian, and there's a magic to that. But to really love that and appreciate that, you have to sit and settle in with any of the discomfort and shame that comes from feeling othered. And so that poem I'm proud of because I start naming, that was the beginning, I think, of my naming the things that were uncomfortable. Mm. It was a place called the Mecca, and it was located in Milwaukee. And I was invited by an, an very intriguing poet himself, 
uh, very wide known in the Milwaukee area. And um, I just got there and I was like, you know, me being an introvert, I was like, yeah, I'll just watch everybody else do it. But I was like, um, he just kept encouraging me to go up there. And I just like, like you, like you said, I just scribbled something on there. And it was, I think it was called butterscotch. And I was going based on my skin complexion. And I was identifying what a woman who was in between two worlds of, of a race you know, her skin is beautiful, but, you know, this is what she has to do. Her life is rough, you know, something. And I was just kind of like going and doing some crazy stuff. And people were like, wow, you, how long were you doing? I was like, I took me three, like three minutes to do it. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was like, wow, it was like really, really good. And I was like, I was waiting for them to do this. But, you know, this, this, this was in the 90s. So they didn't, they weren't doing <laughs> but it was like really interesting. Oh, what a full story. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm and, so happy to hear that. So it's interesting that both of our first steps into poetry were related to that, mm -hmm. that inner conflict slash, you know, fusion of two different worlds. Yeah. Just trying to identify myself. I think that was at the point I was just trying to figure out where I fit because mm. I'm too light to be in the in crowd with the black community, but I'm too dark to be in the Mexican community. I didn't like to be called those particular derogatory names that they used to call us um, mulatto or mixed breed or other crap mm. that they would use. And so, and being an introvert and the only child, I didn't have, I wasn't very social. It was just really, really hard for me to kind of be accepted in any place. And then not being American, uh, born on American soil, I was born overseas. So I didn't know, you know, I, I could have been a Japanese dual citizen, but you know, that's not in my cards for now. But I mean, it's just like, mm -hmm. the only reason why I'm considered American is because my mother was born here. But it's like, again, I just kind of, you know, there, I didn't have an identity. I didn't know who I was. Yeah. It's, and I'm still kind of struggling with it off and on when someone says, oh, you know, where are you from? That question always gets me. Where are oh, you I hate from? that question. Yes, I hate it. I'm like, this is a two part. I'm just letting you know. You want to know where I was born or where I was raised? <laughs> They're like, okay, is there is it, is it different? Of course it is. That's the reason why I'm saying it's two different things. And they are like, well, okay, uh, where were you born? And I tell them like, really? One time I came, <laughs> I'm sorry, I got, I, I don't want to get off the rail, but I have to share this with you. So I was, uh, I just came from England uh, to America, going to the public school system. I was taking the bus out to the school and <laughs> one night someone asked me, because I had a very British accent when I came over and they were like, where were you born? And so I said, I was born in Okinawa. And they said, and they said, well, where is that? And I'm like, that's Japan. I mean, don't this, that just tells me right off the bat, the school system is not working <laughs> in the American school system. But uh, he said, oh, so you must be Chinese. I just looked at us like, oh my God, this is a failed school system. And I'm going to go and attend this school system. People think I was born in Japan. I'm automatically makes me Chinese. And I'm thinking that's, they're completely different 
I mean, I feel like it's on track. It's we're talking about identity. I think it's on track. No, it's just that comment was just like, oh my god, I, what did what did my mother put me in? This school system. Yeah. Lord help us all. You know, <laughs> I got it. Yeah, you're like these what? are my classmates. Yeah, it's like. Before you even get started, you're like, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. Yeah, because people are trying to make sense of the world around them. They're trying to make sense of you. And they're calling out the fact that you look different from them. So they're trying to. And so that's like, I think that's the underlying tension is, you know, where are you from is asking, why do you look different from me mm -hmm. as opposed to a curiosity is. And so I find it to be a microaggression when someone says that and then you're faced with it and you can't even get to conclusion. I mean, you know, you were young, you're not going to be able to recognize what might be going on in this kid's head, you know, and and they're just trying to make sense of the world, you know. And so I think it's, it was it was it must have been jarring for you. What is your favorite poem from an author or poet? Yeah, so my favorite, I have so many favorite poems, um, especially Maya Angelou. I'll read her poems out loud, but if uh, I had to pick one. I know, I know. I know. But if I have, I have choreographed dances to her poems. I just love her work. But my favorite poem, I have to go um, back to... 19th century British literature. I love Yeats' poem, Second Coming. And the reason is because to me, that poem is about how, I mean, I think the words, things fall apart and the center cannot hold are in there. And so I think of life as this constant movement mm -hmm. and, you know, Things are breaking. Like if we look back to our glaciers, the glaciers might be might melt and might create something new. And I feel like that change is always happening. And that's the pulse of my poetry. That where is that tension? Where is it breaking? Where is it moving? Where is it going to? And the fact is that the second that you're like in a new place and you're like, okay, I'm, I don't know, I'm healed of this particular monster I was dealing with, or I'm in this new place then even that new place, you know, if we go back to your son's love of astronomy and, and all things sky related, it's like, if you're in a new place out in space, right, you found a new home, like, oh, I'm, I'm over here now. And even that will start, start rupturing and start feeling uncomfortable because of the nature of, of, of our humanity and maybe the nature of the universe. And then we need to shake things up, change, look at things differently, at least, and find a new stasis. And so that second coming poem um, really, really kind of hits that nail on the head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, and I'm, I'm making an effort now as a poetry reader to look at poems from people who are people of color and women. And here I am quoting a 19th century British white male poet. And yet there is a beauty to, to his work. And so you know, it would be a mistake just to deny the fact that I go back to that poem quite a bit. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> because ah. ironically, that was one of the classes I took in high school, British British authors. Oh, and um, I want to read a little bit of it. I just, unless you want to read it, we can like switch off because I think that would be pretty cool to have oh, that yeah, in, let's as do it. part of it because I know I really want you to say a poem about that you've created but it would be so cool to have one on here yeah let me read it. here you start off and then I'll do with the crescendo the second coming by William Butler Yeats 
Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed and everywhere. The ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is in at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming. Hardly are those words out when a vast image out of Spiritus Mundi troubles my sight. Somewhere in sands of the desert, a shape with lying body and the head of a man, a gaze blank and pitiless as the sun, is moving its slow thighs while all about it, real shadows of the indignant desert's birds. The darkness drops again, but now I know that 20 centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle. And what rough beast, its hour come round at last, slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. Woo, give me chills. Did I beautiful reading, Jazz. Oh, that was thanks. <laughs> I can see you want to be a voiceover actor. Yeah. I loved it. Thank you. This was awesome. If I could do like a virtual high so five. I know. That was so fun. That was so fun. Thank you. Poetry on a Friday. I know, right? <laughs> it was beautiful. Thank you. That's awesome. Awesome. But I was reading on, on your website, you had like, you do a variety of things um, in your poems. I was specifically looking at your eulogy. I know, dark comedy uh, for me, because I have a music eulogy. <laughs> I've compiled oh, I've compiled songs for my funeral. <laughs> I know. What? Oh my goodness. I'm a, I was not expecting that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was a singer. I was a DJ. I loved playing musical instruments when I was younger. So music has always been my life. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna go out with a bang with some of the best known songs of history for my funeral. I mean, you know. I don't know. Well, that I was like, the thing. I like the vibrancy of it. Yeah. To yeah. say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make a playlist that's full yeah. of life. It's, a, it's like know? my, it's like my 1980s mixtape. Yes. <laughs> but from my eulogy. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. Yes. That is so funny. So to the question that I wanted to ask you is, um, what is the best piece of advice you've received during your career or outside of your career, um, personal, professionally, either one or both? The one that is the most essential for me sounds a little kindergarten-y. It sounds a little Mr. Rogers, but it, it pierces me every time. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to make a lot of sense unless you're actually creating art and putting it out there. But... It's this very simple sense of care and share. Mm -hmm. That's it. And the reason I love it is yeah. because I know I care a lot about the work I'm putting in to writing a poem, to listening for the essence of what I'm trying to say, to getting a piece together. And then the second part is, okay, then you share it. 
what I love about it is it takes all that drama angst out of the whole thing. And it's like, oh, I'm just caring about my poetry and then I'm sharing it. Mm -hmm. And that that simplicity makes me realize what it is I'm doing and really focuses me and takes really does take all of that frenetic energy of, you know, performance anxiety and like, what will the people think, you know, out of it? Because I have agency over caring and I have agency over sharing. Mm -hmm. And so I just loved that advice. And I go back to it even now as my book is in process. That's awesome. Plain and simple uh, identifications of respect each other. There's so all you have to do is love each other, respect each other, be a friend, be a neighbor. It's like the simple things in life. And yes. someone finds a way to construe it by throwing something in there like, well, you can be a friend to that particular person or a neighbor to that particular person, but not that person over there. That's not how it works. <laughs> That's not how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess my, I mean, the way that I see that in relation to the work I'm doing is, you know, in order to really be a neighbor, be a friend, you have to love yourself first mm -hmm. because the reasons we might be pushing away certain people or certain things that make us uncomfortable is because that part of ourselves is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so how do we make more space for the things that are uncomfortable and uh, and I think that's also where, you know, care and share for me is also like a, an act of self-love that I'm, I'm just thinking about my act of caring and then sharing my work with others. And the more I, I put that love and care into myself, the more I'm available to be your neighborhood poet, you know? Right, right. Exactly, exactly. But the last question that I had was, um, what inspired you to venture into this career path? And I think you've even hit on the topic in the YouTube that you did, that I, um, I think it was Master 2, you had identified the reason why you had gone on this path. But could you tell the listeners exactly what inspired you to venture? Sure. So I had a very successful career in high tech for a very long time. And we're talking over 22 years. Mm -hmm. And all the time, there felt like something was missing. And I addressed that in the past. Uh, by taking acting classes, writing poetry, showing up to open mics. I even produced one-woman shows. I auditioned for theater shows. I was on TV. I did, I did a bunch of things, but I still had this very demanding day job I was carrying around. And at one point, I, you know, I, I took this meditation workshop and I was really going inside myself. And something just blew up for me in my mind where it was like, you know, life, they say life is short, but in some ways life is long and that we have time to do things. And I thought, well, what the heck do I want to do before I die? And I'm not sick. I'm not dying, but we all are dying in mm -hmm. some ways. We're all going to meet that moment and it's going to happen. Where do I want to spend my energy? And it hit me like like lightning. I was like, I know this is going to happen. It's just a matter of how. And then because I was tired of overthinking it, you know, my friends were tired of me saying every year, like for the last 10, 15 years, this December, I'm going to quit. This December, and I don't know where I got December from prior to the end of the year, but like it's super arbitrary. And 
And then December would come and go with some formation of excuse or not. And then I was like, I'm just tired of negotiating. And Mm -hmm. so I just quit and meaning quit that career and, you know, didn't start looking for new jobs, didn't start that networking thing that I'm so good at. Like, oh, let me just email everybody, get my resume together, do my thing, you know, talk to people. And instead I went into my feelings and Mm -hmm. then I was like, oh, I I know what I want to do. I want to express myself before I die. I want to express myself fully in like full 360 degrees before I die. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, awesome, great. (laughs) Now, how the heck are we going to do that? And what do you want to say? And I had no idea what I wanted to say. And so I had already worked on poetry. Like I said, I've been doing one woman shows for a long time in poetry. So I had a bunch of work. So I put those together in a manuscript and then I was like, okay, well, what else do I want to say? And then I got really specific and realized that now without a job, I was faced with myself, mm-hmm. my, my identity as uh, an executive in the tech industry, my identity as someone who earns money in the science and engineering field, even though I was doing customer success, it still felt legitimate. So, you know, now the question was, am I a legitimate human, you know, because you're faced with all your labels right in front of you because you don't have a day job to escape to. You don't have an inbox to look at to go ahead and escape all of those things. No, those things are like, here I am, let's talk. And so the way I talked to them was writing poetry. So I have poetry about lots of subjects that were coming up for me, including, you know, things that I thought I had covered. I'm like, I already covered that in that poem. But the difference between covering it and feeling it and sitting mm-hmm. with the shame as a brand new thing. So then my message became clear. Then the car started driving me. You know, at first I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> I've got kind of a semblance of a car. I know I want to say something. I know I want to say something that's important to me. And then all of a sudden it started talking. It started having a life. This book was trying to say something. It was trying to do something, which to let other, which was to let other people also sit with the very, very uncomfortable feelings of saying, well, you know, what does it feel like to not feel worthy and just sit with it? Mm -hmm. Because when you do and you allow yourself to do that and others are not equipped to help you do that, right? And including myself, like if a friend comes to you and says, I feel ugly, right? Everything you say to negate that is also could by accident, negate their the experience that they're having. You know, oh, you look beautiful. You look like this. You look like that. Remember this happened and that was beautiful. And look mm-hmm. at this. It's like, okay, those are facts and figures. And then what that ends up doing is making you, well, for me, I should speak for myself, made me feel stupid. Like, don't you even get it? Like, why do you not get it? And so now it was a shame mm-hmm. that I was feeling ashamed. Yeah. And that's like, whoa, whoa, that's so deep, it hurts. And so, and you can't get out of it. So the then that's what my poetry became about. Like, okay, I actually do feel ugly. What does that look like? And it's uncomfortable, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not sexy. And it's, you know, I do have inspirational poems in there, but, you know, honestly, what happened was I was watching other poets and other Instagram artists that I admire and still admire and still want to um, c- consume their work and be inspired by them and interact with their work. But there was a sense of like before and after and in even in healing. And that to me, and I made up a word, the healing strife. It was causing me healing strife. Like, mm-hmm. but I'm not healed yet. What is mm-hmm. that? You know, I'm not there yet. I feel ashamed of myself that I'm not that badass yet. And I know I can follow her work and like get there and all of those things. But there's a tinge. 
And it's very subtle and slight and, you know, the luxury of not having a job and just, and I'm super sensitive soul. It's like, Mm -hmm. I can feel every flicker. And so I was like, wait, what was that thing? You know? And so I was like, I want to write about that. And it became the messy middle. And it's like, well, that's, that's where it is. You know, Mm -hmm. we're all here in the middle. There's nowhere else. We're all already here. You guys are fine. Everyone's fine. Like we're all a hot mess in certain ways, you know, in certain parts of our lives there's going to be messy things. And just to hide those is what causes the pain. It's not the mess that causes the pain. It's the shame of the mess that causes the pain. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, this part over here, I don't know what I'm doing there. I'm a mess. Yeah. You know, like that, that kind of like, oh my God, but also, okay, that's a mess. Got it. You know, and the mess is allowed in the room, but you're not, you're not now damaging yourself about it, like, Mm -hmm. you know, hiding it, pretending that it's not there. And that's where the pain is. Yeah, that is very good. I love that. (laughs) The you are just so, I guess I should say you're a very talented, talented poet, just the concept of your explanations and just so in depth. I love it. Just listening to the types of things that you have um, in this book. It's amazing. So so is this Thank the only you. is this the only book that you currently are in the process of completing or has it been completed? Is there any other ones in the near future? Yes, such a great question because it's funny what happens when you start writing a book. You have new ideas for new books, but I'm not done this book yet. So I'm I'm of the philosophy one baby at a time, and so I'm um, I've the manuscript is done. It's been greenlit by my editor, which I'm really super proud of, and I've gotten a lot of good feedback and constructive feedback. You know, there's you know, let's talk about the messy middle. Let's be honest. There's about 120 poems in there, mm-hmm. and. Some of them, like, I see the comments and I'm like, really proud. Like, I think I'm like, I think I'm done with this poem. Like, it's fine, you know? And I see other poems that are like close to done, like, oh, just make sure the spelling's right. And I'm like, wow, like, I'm already there. And then there's other poems that are total dumpster fires. Like, there's something in here that looks like it could be a poem, but, and so I have that. And so if you think about it, I'm practicing in this particular area, I'm practicing what I just said, which is, hey, there's a dumpster fire in my in my manuscript of, of in the section of these particular poems. But also I'm gonna do this podcast and talk <laughs> about my book. And so, you know, that's that's something that's true. I love it. Um maybe what did he say is I'll have my own dumpster dumpster fire of my life in a book because I think mine is nothing but a but there is some little sprinkle of sugar and, and other spices and stuff like that when my children are getting involved in my life. If someone wants to reach out to you, uh, the listeners that are either listening to us or watching us on YouTube, what would be the best place that they can reach out or contact you if they wanted to know more about you and your services if you do provide? Sure. Yeah. I do custom poetry for special occasions where I'll sit and listen to your story and swim inside of your relationship or your person who you're celebrating and um, offer a custom poem. And also I have this book coming out. And if you have any ideas or questions or collaboration ideas, I'm totally open for it. You can find me on Instagram at dance with Neelam and that's dance with Neelam and Neelam is spelled N like Nancy, E-E-L. A, M like Mary, Neelam. Also in closing, please share us your poem. I cannot wait. Yes. 
Thank you for asking and thank you for this platform. This was such a fun opportunity that I will not forget. Oh, thank uh, you. This, yes, yes, thank you. This poem is called Nationhood. I'm too Indian to be American. I'm too American to be Indian. In India, where I was born, I was moved to the foreigner's area in a temple that smelled and looked and felt just like the one in New Jersey when I was young. I was marked as an American by my walk. This body designates me Indian in color, American in movement. I was not at peace in the temple bosom of my motherland. And back home in America, I didn't coordinate well with blonde allowed to date shoe wearing inside of the house, Americans. It was so painful to have one ear that hears only Indian sounds and another that picks up just American vibrations. I tried being both in different company, but it got confusing. I never knew which flag to pick. Neither one fit my mixed up true self. That's why I hold citizenship in a land the shape of my two feet and where I step forms the boundaries of a nation I call myself. And with each move I make, the bells on my dancing feet ring to the beat of my humanity, my hope, my nationhood. Thank you so much. That was very beautiful. I really enjoyed spending time listening to a wonderful poet. And you're my first poet on, on my podcast, too. Like a two-in-one year. This is awesome. Yeah, the circle of firsts. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I am so honored to have you in here. And I appreciate everything that you have provided to on this podcast, as well as to our listeners. Well, you okay. have a wonderful rest of the weekend. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll see you soon. You too. Yes. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Noise Paloo Zion Podcast. I'm Jasmine Castillo, also known as DJ Jim Jam. If you are wanting to be promoted on my podcast, please reach out to me if you are a small business, entrepreneur, musician, or artist. www.jasminecastillovoice.com Stay tuned for the next upcoming episode.